You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Well, we thank you for joining us. We, know, we want you to know how much we love you. We know we've got some guests with us today or some that are newer with us. And uh, you found yourself in a great, healthy place. And as we dive into today's message, I am wanting us to think about a word. The word is tradition. Traditions. When you think of the word traditions, what comes to your mind? When you think of traditions, do, do, uh, does a family tradition come to mind? Uh, maybe a holiday, a birthday, a vacation, or maybe it's your work, a uh, retreat, or a review process, or when you look at the world and the different cultures around the world. Uh, I was Googling this, and we don't have time to get into it, but you can Google later. Uh, 25 strange customs and traditions around the world is an interesting article. Uh, I, I think of tradition, I think of the military, how uh, important that is for the military. And uh, there is a YouTube video that is excellent called We Are the Mighty. And again, we don't have time to dive into that. But there's, there's traditions everywhere we look. And I was thinking traditions have value, don't they? They provide continuity. They provide structure. They give us peace of mind. And I was thinking traditions within the church, I think, to some degree, have value as well. It makes us feel like home when we understand what's happening, when the songs are familiar, when the sermon comes at the same time, or there's activities, Christmas, Easter traditions, other youth group or, or kids ministry traditions. The way you can tell when traditions kind of get uh, ingrained in a culture, the way you can tell that traditions ha- have taken over almost, is that when something has changed or when someone wants to do something slightly different, the, this is the, how you know that people will start to say things like, that's not the way we used to do it. How many have ever heard that in a church? Come on, all right, you don't have to raise your hand, but at least give me a head nod. Come on. How many have ever heard that in a church? And actually, that can be problematic. Dr. Gary Denbo, the uh, former president of Central Bible College, where Pastor Bobby went to school, he talked about, according to the Bible, he said, there are problems with religious traditions. He said, Paul warned the Colossians that traditions could cheat you and me out of the privilege of walking the full power of the gospel. And that's scary. And then he listed five different reasons why traditions could be detrimental. He said this, traditions could keep us from recognizing the fullness of the power of Christ to save and to restore lives. Lord, help us. Traditions could be deified made the core of the gospel message rather than the true gospel itself. Again, Lord, help us that that wouldn't be the case. Number three, traditions could become so highly valued that they could not be questioned even by the Bible itself. And let me pause here for a second. There are church tradition in different places uh, that I have seen where that is the case and that is dangerous. Tradition 
never should trump the Bible. Number four, traditions could, be, could form a barrier uh, to uninitiate people receiving the gospel and becoming a part of the body of Christ. And then lastly, traditions could limit God to doing just what he had done in the past and not allow him to do a new work among us. Church, I'm going to say right from the beginning, God is doing a new thing. And we've got to be careful that traditions don't hold us back. When we become rigid, when we become inflexible, when we become full of tradition, what do you call that? What it, the word that came to my mind is religious. And when I say the word religious today, I want you to almost boo me off the stage. So let's just give it a try. What word comes to mind when you think of rigid, inflexible, full of tradition? The word that comes to my mind is religious. Oh, yeah, I like that, yeah. And with that thought in mind, let's leave that up here. Let's remind ourselves what we're doing as a church. We're traveling through the book of Mark, right, the gospel of Mark, and right now we're answering the question, who is Jesus? Now we're going to get here in just a second that Jesus is not religious, and when we get there, you can, you know, give a clap or, or something like that. But so far in the book of Mark, we've said that Jesus was a teacher, he was a healer, he was a leader, he was a forgiver, and then last week, I loved it, he's a friend of sinners, and we're all sinners, right? And, and so these were all great things. Now today, I want to flip the tables and not talk about who is Jesus, but what Jesus is not. And I want you to know, and, and let, i got to get ready, I already prepped you, but Jesus is not religious, all right, that was, it didn't work either service. Okay, let's just, just acknowledge that. <laughs> In my mind, it was like this roaring, you know, like, all right, okay, well, anyway, anyway, it's okay. Instead of being rigid, stuck, rule-following, regulations to do's, the gospel message, what Jesus was teaching, it brought a newness it was a new day, and they, Jesus was embracing change. Every single week, we've gone back to Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. Verse 15 says, the time is fulfilled. A new day is coming. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And so there was this idea, if you're going to follow Christ and his example, there would be a change. There would be a growing. And there's a, a term that we talk about, working out our salvation, where we grow into it. And there's a mantra that we must embrace as God's people. And this is the key for this morning. This is the key. I'm going to put it up here. We're going to say it together after I say it first. I am not what I was, and I am not who I will be. Let's say that together. I am not what I was, and I am not who I will be. Let that sink in for a second. And today's message in Mark chapter 2 is going to highlight that mantra, that idea in our lives Without further ado, turn in your, in your Bibles to Mark chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 18. It's on page 16 in your copy of God's Word. If you're using the, the Gospel of Mark here where you can mark, mark it up on the right side, journal and other, we want to encourage you to do that. We do have a few copies left and we can order more. Uh, we just need to know how many of those to do. But this is what it says. It says, Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. 
And people came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and disciples of the Pharisees fast? But your disciples do not fast. And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guest fast while the bridegroom is with him? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The day will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears, it, tears from it, the, the new from the old, and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine in old wineskins. And if he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine will be destroyed. And so, the, so are those skins. But new wine is for fresh wine skins. Lord, I pray that in the next few moments you, know, you capture our hearts. Help us, Lord, to get everything you have out of these five verses. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lord, help us to apply this in Jesus' name. Amen. Within these five verses, there are three images, three illustrations that we want to acknowledge. And I want to take those in reverse order. The first one is in, found in verse 22, where it talks about wine skins. Wine skins. Leather wine skins. Look what it says here. It says, and no one puts new wine in old wine skins. And I'm just curious, has anyone ever seen a wine skin, a leather wine skin in person? Anybody at all? Uh, first service, there were a few people that have, maybe a couple here. Uh, I've never seen that firsthand. You can look online and definitely see that. But the idea is that they, you would put wine in a leather pouch. And if it was a new leather pouch, it, when the wine would ferment, it would kind of expand. And the elasticity of the leather would allow for that to happen. And if you put it, new wine that was unfermented and it began to ferment in an old wineskin that had lost its elasticity, it would actually explode. Has anyone seen that ever happen? I mean, you could probably Google it. I didn't. But I, I, I'm, I, what came to my mind is that when I was, well, about your age, Logan, my friends and I, we used to make Drano bombs. Anybody ever made a Drano bomb? Yeah, a few of you. I, I see those smiles. Yes. I'm not endorsing this at any level. But we, we used to buy some Drano and, a, you know, a two-liter or a 20-ouncer. You can look up how it works. You didn't hear it from me. And uh, we're going to have to cut this out of the mainstream. But, uh, but anyway, but we used to do all kinds of things. And it was fun because that plastic bottle would expand and expand. And then, boom! I mean, it, was, it sounded like dynamite. It was awesome. And we used to bury those things. We used to put them in mailboxes. <laughs> Throw them in the field. We used to like uh, put them on a weight and kind of, I probably, in the, the very last Drano bomb that I did, this is the truth, was at a youth retreat throwing one off the balcony and I got in trouble. And I was like, all right, no more, no more. And so, uh, again, say, well, what's the point? Well, I don't know. That's what I, I imagined. The wine exploded. It probably was more like a trickle. You know, it gets brittle, whatever. But that's where my mind went. The point is, Jesus' teaching was like new wine to the Pharisees and the disciples of John. It was a new look. 
For the Pharisees, their thinking was tradition. It was all about their preferences. This is the way it's done. This is, not, this is how I was raised to do it. They were less flexible. You could call them brittle, right? And I'll just say, that is not Jesus. He's none of those things. God was doing a new thing in that day. And I think he's doing a new thing today as well. And you have to abandon the old tradition, the religion. And Jesus was trying to get the Pharisees to think differently, to think bigger, to go deeper, to get new wineskins for the new wine that he was offering, the new teaching he was offering. But the truth is, in that day, and the truth is, and even today, Most people reject that. They're threatened by that kind of change, that kind of challenge. And that's sad. And my heart heart for us is that we would be flexible and changeable, not be brittle, full of tradition, saying that's the way we always done it, right? And so an appropriate mantra is for us to realize and to say personally, I am not what I was and I am not who I am will be. It speaks to a movement. It speaks to a change conforming to the image of Christ. There's a second illustration about new clothes. Look at it, verse 21. Verse 21 says, no one sews pieces of unshrunk clothes on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears from it, the old from the new, and the worse tear is made. And I, you know, I don't know uh, if you can believe this or not, but when I was in junior high, I took a home ec class. Oh, yeah. I actually learned to do a little sewing but I have never sewed since, and so don't get, uh, and I, I get that. And I'm not really a seamstress, or I've never mended anything. Um, it's kind of a lost art, but are there anybody, is there anyone here that enjoys that, all right? A few folks, uh, there are a few folks first service as well. But it's interesting. For me, growing up, um, what my, came to my mind was, you know, I'd wear out a pair of pants, and my mom, instead of buying new pants, we were so poor, she would buy a patch and either iron it on, or she would sew it on and send me back to school. I didn't know any better. Uh, now I think back and I look in and I'm thinking, man, that, that, that's not cool, you know. I, I'm wondering, is that, did anybody have patches growing up on your jeans? For everyone with your hand up, we're going to have a little meeting after service. We, we've asked a therapist to join us and uh, help us work through those things. But the, the, the truth is, the point is, is that old fabric and new fabric don't mix. You put it in the laundry and one's ripping the other apart. It's kind of like oil and water. They don't mix. And the real point, even bigger than that, is that our lives, the Bible says on our best day, our righteousness is like filthy rags, Right? That means that we are not righteous, we're not even close, we're stained, we're dirty, and we come to Jesus, and he doesn't just offer us a few different patches, right? He doesn't, you know, try to patch us up. Instead, he clothes us with righteousness, the Bible says. A new garment. And so when Jesus looks at us, we've got this, I mean, you can imagine a white robe. He looks at you as if you've never sinned. Right? I mean, it's incredible what God offers us. And the Christianity doesn't mix old and new. 
We are called new creatures, right? We're clothed in righteousness. And when we're born again, when we the, we're clothed in Jesus, it really speaks to that first part of that mantra, I am not what I was. And then the process begins, I am not what I will be. There's a growing, a changing, a molding into more, being more like Jesus. There's a third illustration related to weddings. Verses 18 through 20, you can read it there. I won't read them all, but they're saying, hey, you know, they're, uh, you know John's disciples, they, they're fasting. The Pharisees are fasting. Why aren't yours fasting, Jesus? And then Jesus says, can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with him? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. And it's interesting that Jesus in this circumstance is describing himself as the bridegroom. And we're the church. We are the bride, right? And uh, the bride of Christ. And, and I was thinking when you start reading about weddings or thinking about weddings, uh, we all love weddings, don't we? They're fun. They're a good time. And, and can you imagine uh, the, the, you know, a you know, a lavish wedding or even a modest wedding, you show up and there's something at the reception. It could be hors d'oeuvres, it could be a full entree or both, or it could have drinks or different things. And it's certainly, at a minimum, there's going to be cake, right? And if there's all of those things and it's festive all around this, the point here is that a wedding ceremony, a wedding celebration is no place to be fasting. We don't give up our food going into a wedding celebration. And I was thinking, well, what does the Bible say about fasting? Well, or what was the pattern of the Old Testament church or the Old Testament Jewish uh, leaders? The Old Testament, uh, the Jewish calendar uh, demanded that people would fast one day out of the year on the Day of Atonement. But the Pharisees, they actually would fast two times a week, on Mondays and on Thursdays, every single week. You say, well, why would they do that from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m.? The why was because it was all about a self-display, calling attention to their own goodness. Commentators talked about it would be a call to God's attention, to their, to their piety. They thought that God would notice them when they fasted. And let's just be honest. I'm not asking for hands, but I would put my hand up just so you know. There have been times I have fasted saying, God, look at what I'm doing here. Now help me. And that's not the right motivation at all. It also could have been to be fulfilling a tradition handed down to them. This is just the way it was. And one commentator talked about that their fasting was tied potentially to the expectancy of the coming Messiah. And now Jesus is there. And, uh, and he's saying, look, you don't have to fast anymore. What's really going on here is uh, it's really pretty special when you look at it in context. Last week I talked about the last two previous weeks being connected, the paralytic man and his friends and the healing and the forgiveness there. And then how much sin could Jesus forgive? The story of Levi, the tax collector, coming to Jesus. And he was the worst of all sinners. And, and, and we found out that not only there's no limit to God's forgiveness, but also Jesus is a friend of sinners. And what's crazy, I didn't get it till this week's study, 
the, what follows that in all of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, is this story that we're studying today in all three examples. And really, it's three stories in one. And what the issue is at hand now with the opposition that Jesus is facing is that the people thought that Jesus was having such a good time, they're asking the question, doesn't his conduct seem inappropriate? He's hanging around sinners. He's having a good time. He's not fasting. He's not, he's not following the rules. And Jesus had already made it clear that he came to save sinners, not to compliment the self-righteous. And that's why the Pharisees hated him so much. But in the story, we see that Jesus is bringing new life. He brings joy, a joyful celebration. When people meet Jesus, and I mean really get saved, they understand it's a new day. It's a freedom from sin. It's a freedom from shame. And there should be a celebration. Joy unspeakable. Romans chapter 14, verse 17 says that there's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I love that. And it's Jesus, the bridegroom, who is the celebration of love. And that's what he offers. And it's the opposite of religion and tradition, right? Because religious tendency says, oh, are you doing it right? Will you be accepted? Have you kept the rules? And when you start asking questions like that, it sucks all the joy out of the relationship. And it leads to condemnation. The Jewish religion was so burdensome, it was almost impossible to obey all the rules. And because of that, there was condemnation. The good news is that at the pinnacle of Christian truth is Romans 8.1 that says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And everyone said amen. The next verse, verse 2, goes on to say that we're set free from the law and from the power of sin. And so it's opposite of what the Pharisees and the Sadducees and even John's disciples were experiencing. You say, well, what about fasting? Well, you say, do you fast? Do you, you know, encourage fasting? Yes, we do. But it's not a I have to fast. It's a I get to fast. And it's a different perspective. It's all about coming close to Jesus. It's about your intimacy with him. And the point in this story is that religion imposes burdens on itself and the people all around. And Jesus is not religious. And if Jesus is not religious, we should not be religious as well. Some of us, that will kind of rock your thinking. Some people might ask you, hey, are you religious? And you'd be like, yeah, I'm religious. I go to church and I love the Lord or I give my tithe or I serve or different things. I want to want us to be careful that we don't call what we do. Uh, it's more of a relationship. It's not religion. Because religion at some level or another becomes tradition, becomes inflexible, becomes old. It becomes drudgery, a lack of joy. And that's exactly the opposite of what Jesus provides. When on this story, Jesus is here. He's saying, look, the one that you've prayed for, I'm here. But now that I'm here, the Pharisees and the teachers, they would have to change. 
They would have to embody the mantra that we're trying to drive home this morning that each of them would have to say, I am not what I was, and I am not who I will be. There's a growing, there's a stretching along the way. And church, today, I believe, like I mentioned early on, God is doing a new thing. And don't miss out on the new, what God is doing. Hopefully you'll look back in the rear view mirror of your Christian life, and whether it's a couple weeks or a couple months or a couple years, five years, ten years, twenty years, and that you'll look back and you will see the progression in your walk with the Lord, that you are not the same that what what you were what you are today. But for many of us, there is the truth that we've stopped growing. And religion has got its fingers on us, tradition. We may be going through the motions, and what we need is a fresh, new breakthrough. And with God's help, we believe that God, He wants to do that in each of our lives. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And uh, Bobby, I think we're just going to go into the breakthrough song, okay? calling an audible here. I really believe God wants to move in this place. There's one last image, and uh, Tracy, if you could hold it just until I tell you to put it up. Um, when I was thinking about this message, my mind went back to when I was a kid. In my room, and it didn't matter what room I was in, we moved a couple times, uh, no matter what room I was in, or even when I moved into the basement, this went on my wall. I had a wall, a piece of artwork that was embroidered and it said these simple words, please be patient with me. God is not finished with me yet. And as a kid, I remember reading that hundreds of times. And that was good news. Like, be patient. God's not finished with me yet. And there are some of us here today that need to hear that. And so I went and I looked for this because it's in my keepsake box. And Jessica, when we put away all of the Christmas, we piled all the Christmas on top of our keepsakes. And it was like dug way, way down. And, and I'm like, ah. And so I went back upstairs. I'm like, I bet I could find a picture of this regardless. And, and so I Googled, you know, please be patient with me. God is not finished with me yet. And, uh, and I found something very close. The only difference and, uh, uh, is that on this, it, it looks identical to what you're about to see, except there's a girl in this picture, and it wasn't a girl, it was a boy <laughs> on my picture. But let's go ahead, let's see. It's, it's this embroidered picture. That's a girl that's not the one who was in my room. I had a boy, all right, just so you know. But anyway, but it, it was identical. Same stitching. I mean, that could have been my sister's. If she, I don't even know if she had one in her room, but please be patient. God isn't finished my mind went back to that. And I think about our mantra, I'm not who I was, but I'm not who I'm going to be as well. And what stands between where I was, I gave my heart to the Lord, and now where I want to be, sometimes we get stuck in the here and now. Sometimes our walk with the Lord becomes more religious, more tradition. We're just going through the motions. 
And for some of you, you just stop and you turn the other way and you kind of walk away from your faith as well. And, and, and certainly we want you to come back to the Lord. But for those that are stuck, I believe God wants to do a great and mighty work in this place. During first service, at the end of the service, the Lord gave me a picture of kind of what what second service was how he wanted us to close and this is kind of where my heart went is that if you are here and you don't know the Lord as your personal savior Jesus is calling he desires a relationship with you you might be here someone's dragged you here he's ready all you do if you're going this way all you do is you turn around and say "All right, Jesus I'm yours and he he will accept you you your faith in him, your trust in him, and and I, I believe that there's some here, second service, that, that need to do that for sure. There's probably a, a bigger portion of us that are stuck in our faith. If you are honest with yourself, you're saying, man, I am at a spot, I don't feel like I've grown, the intimacy that I once had, uh, I, you know, I look in my rearview mirror and, and it's like I haven't even moved, right? Like, come on, let's get this thing going again. And you're stuck and you need a breakthrough. You need a breakthrough moment. And then there's a third category of folks that are doing it. You're moving along, you're changeable, you're moving but there's a commitment in your own life. You're saying, man, I don't ever want to be so full of tradition that I get stuck in my ways. God, do a new thing in my life. And so this is what I envision. I'm going to ask that if you're here today and you do not know the Lord as your personal Savior, I'm going to ask that you would just... Um, respond if you're ready to make a decision for Christ just by lifting your hands right where you are I'm just going to be bold about it who here second service saying yes that's me I need a relationship with Jesus I'm away from the Lord anyone second service here okay okay got a few in the back okay great anyone else that opportunity. The second question I have, you can put your hands down, is I'm curious if there are those that are here that are stuck, and you don't feel like you're moving, and you're kind of stalled out, and you've become rigid or inflexible in any way in your faith. Would you just be so bold to lift your hand? Yeah. Yeah. Just keep your hands up. If you raise your hands for either the two of those, I'm going to ask for you to take a step of faith. And I want you to come, and I want you just to fill the altar here. And just do that right now. In fact, let's all stand. And then those that are saying, man, I'm stuck, or those that were raise your hand for salvation, I want you to come as well. And I just want you to kind of come in close right up here for the moment. All right? And that, don't worry, you're not going to be alone. There, there's going to be others that are joining you. Yeah, there's lots that are sliding in. Just kind of make your way. And then we got to make room because uh, then I want to talk to those of us that you say, yeah, I'm doing okay, but I want to commit in my life. I want to be the type of person that stays flexible. I don't get rigid. I don't get brittle. So I, I want my life 
to experience newness of joy that Jesus offers. And uh, if you're saying, that's the pattern I want my life, would you just slip up your hand if that's you as well, right where you are. And if that's you, I want you to come in and come behind these, and we're going to worship. This song that we're about to sing has become, it's been one of my favorite songs in this season of my life. It's called Breakthrough. And as we make our way through it, you're going to see how it all kind of fits together. That God, He wants to, if you're stuck, He wants you to break through. If you're saying, God, I'm committed, I want to continue, I want to be everything you have, I want to be shapeable and moldable, this is going to be a great song for you as well. And so without further ado, I want everybody in the room, front to back, to lift your hands, no matter where you are. We can turn the lights a little lower. God, we just give you our hearts. We give you our lives. Lord, I pray that you do in these next few moments what only you can do. Fill us, Lord, and help us to break through. In Jesus' name, God, do your work. Amen. Amen. Let's worship the Lord all across this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just begin to worship him. Begin to tell Jesus that you love him. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Just like new wine and old skins, it bursts. Just like those Drano bombs. That's crazy. That's a mess. It's destructive, right? But what the Lord is doing, he's allowing us to embrace a new wine skin, so to speak. And he's pouring a new day, a new, and and what's beautiful is that as that grows, as that uh, begins to shake, it begins to uh, develop, and as as we grow as a church, I believe that the Lord is allowing us as a church to expand, to contain what he wants to do here. And that's personally, what God wants to do in your life personally, but also what God wants to do with us as a church. And when that happens, we don't have to put our head down. We don't have to be all just, you know, moping around. No, we are believers. We have Jesus inside of us. And the Bible says that when that happens, we can experience victory in Jesus. Victory. Victory. A fullness. A, a, a new day. And if that is interesting to you, if that, if that idea uh, kind of captures your heart, I want you to sing this next part of the song out with gusto from the front to the back. There will be victory. There will be victory in Jesus' name. Come on, say that with me. There will be victory in Jesus' name. Victory in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pastor Bobby, lead us in that portion of the song. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, you read these three stories together. These friends bringing the paralytic, breaking through the roof. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. They're saying, how do you know? How can that even be possible? Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus says, well, to prove to you, uh, get up and walk. And he gets up and walks. So Jesus is the forgiver. The very next story is the tax collector, right? The worst in the city. Who could be saved? 
anybody can be saved. Your friends, the worst of the worst at your school, the worst of the worst in your neighborhood, in your family, the worst of the worst at uh, you know wherever in your work in your workplace. And then not only can they be saved, Jesus is a friend. I mean, it's amazing. You got to read this in context. And then today, it's not about who Jesus is. He's saying, look, they're, they're concerned. They're saying, this doesn't seem right. It seems inappropriate. And Jesus is saying, look, it's a new day. And Jesus, if there's anything that Jesus is not, he is not religious. And neither are you. You have a relationship with the King of Kings. And today I believe that there's been some breakthrough. And God, He's got this all under control. He's moving in your life. And I'm excited to see what He does. But just we got to be careful that what, when God pours out something new, we can't necessarily put it into our same old patterns. So Lord... I pray that we would be flexible. We would be like a new wineskin as you pour out your power, your presence in our lives. Lord, that you would do more than we can imagine. And Lord, as that wine ferments, the picture is that as things grow in our lives, I pray that we would be able to contain it because we're flexible. There's elasticity movement. Lord, I pray that you do it. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Have you ever been in a situation where you've, you just didn't want to leave the presence of God? I know I have. First service, we had just uh, one young lady respond at the very end of the service. And uh, it was kind of a call similar to what we did here, but, um, and, and I just shared with her, I said, man, you know, I remember when I was a student, and then there's been lots of times in my life where you're just in the presence of God, and, and you're like, God, don't, I don't even want to go back to where, what I was dealing with outside of these four walls, the pain, the struggle, the finances, whatever, and the reality, I remember one youth retreat. Where's Pastor Bruce? I remember one youth retreat. Like, everything was shut down, and, and it was me and just one other buddy. We were just flat on our face uh, before the Lord, and everyone else had gone, and they were going sledding that night. It was a winter retreat. And we just decided we were just going to spend some extra time in the presence of God. And then they came and got us because it was time to go to bed in the regulations. They were like, no, you can't spend the night in here. And so we took it to our rooms and just continued to worship the Lord. This is what I want. I, I, my heart for you, every single one of you, is that we would take what we're experiencing here and we take it with us. And we're not going to just hurry up and get out of here. Um, uh, I don't know, would it be best if we put a worshipful CD on or do you want to do some live? wide and uh, maybe just kind of settle in just if you want to sit or come and kneel at the altar or, uh, just be free here if you have to leave we understand and and I know that there's a, fun, a newcomer's lunch and that'll be at one o'clock and so that's you know we got 30 minutes there's no reason to hurry off let's just bask in the presence of God
Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.